Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Write or Die show. I am your host, Randy Lee Boswell. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking to Jenna Ashland. So be sure to hit the like and subscribe button so you never, ever miss an episode. Hello, Jenna. Welcome. Hi, Randy. How are you doing today? I am super awesome. So tell us, who is Jenna? I am um, a mother of three teenagers, um, all with some mental health issues because of some trauma and stuff that we've been through. I'm a two times published author, a survivor, and an advocate. All right. And like, but who are you? Like, what do you like to do? Um, I write. That's, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I write. Well, you have a puppy. A you have a puppy. I saw. Yes. Yes. I have, um, a house full of animals. I have two Cocker Spaniels, two cats, two Guinea pigs. My fiance has a chameleon and my daughter's boyfriend has a rat. Ooh, rat. My sister has rats. And I just, just can't get down with that. Like it, it creeps me out a little bit, but like, um, there goes another message. <laughs> It freaks me out a little bit, but I'm like kind of getting used to the idea because it is in a cage and that's very helpful. So yeah. Okay. Okay. I can, I can see that as being, you know, kind of all right. Um, but see, that's, that's who you are, right? Yeah. And I travel as much as I possibly can into warmer climates and, um, I'm getting ready to get married in June and I'm just a very happy person. See, now that's who you are. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. So now let's, we're going to switch gears. Now we'll get into the heavy, hard stuff. Um, Mental health. Where would you like to, yeah, where would you like to start your story? Oh my goodness. Um, (laughs) Told you this was the hard part. It is the hard part because like, I don't know, I I guess, um, I could give you like my list of um, things that they've said that I might have. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What, what is this list? I love, okay. It's, I love, but like ironically love when doctors are like, well, it could be da 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 And you're like, hey, well, that doesn't really help me figure out a solution to what I am going through right now. Yeah. It doesn't really help me figure out da 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 Yeah, exactly. It's almost like chess you know? Right? Well, um, of course I have PTSD, um, depression and anxiety. I think anxiety being one of my worst problems, but I have, whenever they said this, I was kind of in the middle of like a lot of trauma. Um, basically everything that this book is about, I was like right in the middle of it. And they're like, well, you have characteristics of bipolar and borderline and ADHD. And I'm like, you think? so all right borderline is not one and I'm like no no thank you I don't want to be on that okay I know well especially when it's like you have traits of all of these so it's you know it's very hard but borderline is not one that we've really had on the show much so tell us what that is oh to the best of your ability you're not a doctor we know I mean, I have the DSM-5 in there because my fiance is like going for his master's in psychology, which is oh, so convenient. That's so cool. 
I, I love psychology, obviously. I do too. Like that was like our main um, thing that we were talking about. You know, that's how we became friends was like, we'd have these like deep psychological conversations oh. about just like mental health and relationships and how they all suck. So borderline kind of cycles like bipolar, but in a different way. It's like they forget they're needier. They have like grandiose thoughts. It's, it's really kind of hard to describe, but it's very similar to bipolar, um, but with more relationships problems than say bipolar. Yeah. Less, a little rest, risky behavior. Yeah. I know a bit about bipolar. Um, you're not, well, I know a bit about that, but borderline, sorry. And there is just this big misconception with borderline. Well, I mean, with a lot of mental health, but with borderline specifically, because they came up with the name of that um, because it, they were trying to describe somebody who is on the, the border of two different personalities. Yes. And that's not really what it is. It's not two different personalities. It's like you said, it's, it's a cycle um, more similar to bipolar. Yeah. Um, than this, this dual personality type of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's really not dual personalities. It's kind of just unstable. I like pulled it up here on Google because like, I haven't oh. thought about it in a while because like a lot of, a lot, a lot of the things that I were experiencing were trauma responses too. So you just kind of mix that up and you know, you have like a therapist and a doctor going, oh, no. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I know it's hard when there's so much happening all at one time yeah and you know it but it is rapid changes in mood where you know bipolars generally tend to be a little slower and I definitely still feel like a lot of all of these symptoms but like in a manageable way because like I'm not medicated but if I'm on like if I trigger into like more of you know your hyperactive mania types of things which the same kind of thing happens in borderline, but it can change like five times a day. Yeah. Bipolar doesn't really do that. It's more of a gradual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just much more rapid, you know, and a lot more fear of, of abandonment and feelings of emptiness, because as you're cycling through these different things, you tend to forget like yeah. some of the stuff and, Like I have to remind myself whenever I'm feeling like depressed and alone, I've like come up with all these coping mechanisms where like I read my author bio and I'm like, wow, that sounds serious. (laughs) (laughs) I totally understand that when I go on other people's shows to do inner, like be the interviewee. um, And they're like, oh my gosh, your life sounds so interesting and you've overcome so much. I'm like, really? You mean, <laughs> yeah, other That's people exactly have it. How like, it, is. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't who you are. Yeah, you forget who you are, and it like it doesn't seem like you've done all of these huge things because it's just part of your regular life. But to other people looking at you, they're like, "Wow, you're freaking amazing." <laughs> Yeah, and that's always like you never know how to respond to that. You know, you really don't. No, it's just like thanks. exactly I'm like I want to say thank you but like I went through all this stuff and it was so traumatizing so I'm not really thankful for it right it's it's a lot of it's a lot of different stuff but no I totally get what you're saying there and from my understanding of borderline personality it's 
and you've said it, it's, it's a lot about relationships. And if somebody, just like as an example, if somebody says something to you that you perceive as, oh no, now they hate me, when really it's not like you, it's this, I'm trying to, to find the words to explain it. So I'm just going to ramble. Um, but it's like you forget sometimes that people care about you or you think that they're not caring about you when they do. Um, it's part of yeah, it. Yeah, because you're just, you're just kind of looking at it in a very narrow window. Like, well, like he's really busy today. I feel lonely. He doesn't love me. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of how that goes. When the day before he spent like 12 hours with you and bought you flowers and took you to a nice dinner. And, exactly. You, know, you had a wonderful time alone. Um, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's not about, it's not about that you think that that person needs to be with you all the time, but it really is this, I really truly believe they don't like me anymore. Right. It's yeah. not this. Um, I actually just finished recording an interview with somebody and we were talking a lot about narcissism and it's not that they're narcissistic. It's not, Oh, it needs to all be about me. It's literally, I don't think you like me anymore simply because I said you're at work for the day. (laughs) But but when you're, when you're in your right, right mindset, you're like, Oh yeah, they're at work. It's fine. Right. So it's yeah. Yeah. Relationships are very tricky with borderline. Yeah. (laughs) so yeah I have symptoms of that I have characteristics of that and uh and like the ADHD and stuff but I kind of have learned to I'm not medicated so I don't know if like maybe it's just not that bad or maybe I've just gotten really good at coping mechanisms and and where my fiance is you know he is a psychology person in a big big way he's you know that that helps (laughs) you know it really would as long as you're (laughs) as long as you're open to listen Oh yeah. I have to be because I mean, there are times whenever, you know, I'll start talking. I'm like, listen, I know perfectly well that I'm being completely irrational right now, but I just need to talk. Okay. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know sometimes I'll be like, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just yelling at the situation because I don't know what else to do. Yeah. Okay. I just need to get out. And he's like, okay. And I mean, we will often be the most raised the most like angered at the people who love us the most because we feel safe with them yeah and that's why I whenever I'm in one of those moods and I know it's not actually I'm not actually mad at my husband and I'm mad at whatever else I always go I'm not actually yelling at you I'm not mad at you just so like he knows that I'm not yelling at him but I just I have to get it out like you said you gotta rant and, and whatever yeah I mean I'm you know, like I said, you kind of have to learn how to use all of these swings and stuff to the best of your ability. Like I normally kind of feel one of those lonely, depressed, oh my God, I'm completely alone in this world and everybody hates me phase. I normally kind of feel it coming and I'm like, so listen, I'm going to need some cuddle time and a little extra affection tonight. (laughs) You know? And it's good when you can start to recognize it. Yeah, it helps a lot. And he's like, okay. I'll try to cut things short, Yeah, you know, that's good. and it kind of becomes an, an understanding. And then whenever, like I'm in this, um, like right now I, I'm fighting really hard to stay manic, which mm-hmm. some may not understand that some people might, but it's just like, you can get so much done. <laughs> you know? It's so true. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's not a state to stay in. 
either. No, it's not. But like, you have to balance it. Yeah. And like, I'm refusing to go to shopping sites. And like, I have like all of these other things up. So whenever like, I'm feeling kind of hyperactive, and that's where like the ADHD symptoms come in. Mm-hmm. I kind of focus on what I need to focus on. Like, um, I planned a wedding in like three months. Um, you know, nice, nice. Book paid for, you know, um, yeah. wrote a book in six. Um, <laughs> yep, yep. And, and now it's like launch time. So I'm trying to like stay up. Yeah. And yeah. I think it was yesterday. I was like crashing really hard and, um, you know, by about the mid middle to the end of the day, I just started to kind of pick back up, but I was like really tired and like yeah. just dead to the world. It was, it was rough. Yeah. I believe My it. publisher's messaging me. He's like, you know, I bet you're so excited and anxious. I'm like, no, not really. But, um, <laughs> Uh, I will be maybe tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I think I'm just having a bad day, but honestly, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We are allowed to have bad days. Yeah, exactly. We're allowed. It's totally fine. Um, so let's, I mean, you mentioned PTSD and you've said trauma, that word trauma quite a few times. So tell us about this. Okay. <laughs> you brought it up that's why I'm asking <laughs> no it's absolutely necessary and and you know that's okay I I've been through some crap so um so when I was about 30 um I lost my husband to a heart attack and he was only 41 years old and um I was just kind of in a bad place and I didn't get any help and I hadn't written since I was a kid not other than like little um, random poems here and there. And, you know, I'd I'd been raised busy having children and and they were little at the time because this happened in 2010. And like all of a sudden, like, I don't know if he was talking about me at work or they seemed to think I had money or something because of some insurance policy that I didn't have. I was living in subsidized housing and like guys started hitting on me at the funeral. Yes. That's dirty. Yeah. So like six weeks into this, I got online and I started making some friends and I'm like, okay, I just kind of want a guy around, you know, I don't really want to be in a relationship, but I kind of want a guy around that way. They'll start to back off. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I found one that, you know, just really wanted to be friends and, you know, he seemed okay that I wasn't ready for a relationship. So I kind of, I'm like, okay, I'll let you hang around. And like, he started pushing for a relationship and I tried to fix him up with somebody else. Yeah. It was (laughs) very clear that you did not want one. Yeah, I was. And eventually he just kind of wore me down and I wasn't really in the right frame of mind because, you know, Hey, my husband just died. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, maybe it's just where I'm not ready and, and everything's just where I'm healing and stuff. You know, he seems to be a good guy. Maybe I shouldn't let him get away. And then like slowly over time, um, he wasn't such a good guy Mm -hmm. and it very soon kind of became all about him and like all of those narcissistic tendencies started to come to come out and <clears throat> I moved out and got 
into like this little house. Um, and he started um, telling me about how bad his life was living with his mother and grandmother because he was supposed to be helping them around the house and saving up money and stuff like that. But like he didn't have a job and it was one of those um, situations where you just kind of feel bad for them and you're trying to be open-minded and give people a second chance because I'm like very good hearted. And like, there's all these red flags and I know I'm like, Oh no, I don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and so that's kind of what happened. So I ended up while I was going through that process, um, I ended up, um, starting to write again because after a while I wasn't allowed to talk about my husband that died. I wasn't really allowed to mourn him. And, and, and you have to realize three little kids that were yes. also mourning the loss of their father. So you're telling them they can't talk about him either. Yeah. Yeah. Because he would get like horribly jealous, horribly, horribly jealous. And it was just, man, it was just not okay. And so I started writing, I started writing within the gray and it was, you know, I kind of relived like some of our best moments and his death. And then I, I started saying, okay, this is what I should have done. This is what I really, really wanted. And you know, it is within the gray has some romantic elements in it, but it's also about like the healing and the gray is actually like this really cool place. I mean, it's, it's dark and creepy and all, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like, um, she goes through like this psychological journey that mirrors her journey through health and healing after her husband's death. And that's what the, the gray is, is like this place that she goes to in her mind and dreams and visions. And, and it's, it's actually really cool when there's some twists and turns in there and some unexpected things to where it's like, not just a dream, but like a place that all people go to. And that's why it's kind of an interesting read. And there's some trauma related stuff in there too. You know, um, the character in the book doesn't really get away with um, just having the death of her husband because I didn't. And anyway, as I was writing this book, um, you know, I started to heal and I wrote about this guy and I'm like, you know, I I really could have used somebody who was, um, very supportive and open and, and into mental health and could try to understand me and just care about me enough as a person to try not to push me into anything. Yeah. And, and so I write this book. And the whole time that I'm writing this book, I'm writing it in emails to myself because I'm working like 60 hours a week. And then I come home to three kids and a husband who won't work. And I have all of this stuff that I have to do. And it's, I mean, it's complete insanity. And other times that he was just sitting. Yeah. You just called him a husband who wouldn't work. Did you marry him or you're just using that as the word? I married him. I just wanted to make sure that I didn't miss something. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. I just wanted to clarify. Okay. So as I am going through this journey, I, I start to heal and I start to like feel things emotionally again. And I like started to get a little mad (laughs) and and started, 
I started to wake up. And so I finished the book. And as I'm finishing the book, I was becoming friends with someone. So as writers do, you sit it down for a while, you distance yourself from it, and you go back to it later. Yeah. So Sheila's Men was already kind of starting, but like just the first couple pages, just enough for me to know that it was going to be really important and really powerful because my language in it and everything had completely changed. He is so sweet. His name is Sebastian. Sir Sebastian Bark. So I sit down and like in the six months that I go from finishing writing it to picking it up to edit it. Remember how I said I was getting really pissed off? Oh, yeah. well, my entire life changed. <laughs> everything changed and I managed to get out and everything. And this Good. friend, I was starting to, this friendship I was starting to develop. I ended up dating him six months later after everything else was done. Mm-hmm. And I pick up this book. And I open it up and I run into this character and I'm like, my love cuss, because holy shit. Yes, you can. I just make a note <laughs> of it so I can put that there's language. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, really? Because it was like I wrote this guy into existence. I am not even kidding. Like in the beginning of the book, you know, this guy gives you know, he's a volunteer at this crisis center, which I never went to because I wasn't smart enough to do that. Um, Because I was no, like, no, no, I had we're going to change that language. It's not that you weren't smart enough. It's that you didn't realize that that was an option for you. I was very concerned. I was not aware that I wouldn't lose my children because I was very concerned about my kids and where they would go while I was, you know, uh, put away for a while, which because oh. that's what I really needed. Yeah. But in the book, he, he meets her and he buys her this journal, you know, to kind of help her express herself and, and help her heal and everything. And, um, a few months after I had become friends with this guy, Christmas came up and he bought me a journal and like his backstory was almost exactly the same as the character in my book. He was into psychology. Like, no, seriously. Like even the way he dressed, like the types of shirts and stuff that he wears, it was like I wrote him into existence, not even kidding. It's kind of creepy a little bit. Yeah, but it was super cool. <laughs> well, I never said it wasn't cool. I just said it was creepy. It can be both. Yeah, right? So basically with the two books that I've written, Within the Gray is how it should have went. Okay. Sheila's Men is how it actually went. Oh. So Sheila's men is like the truth. So if you take like the first three or four chapters of Within the Gray and like kind of weave them together in a way, yeah, then you have like the real story, but you really do have to like read both of them to kind of get the grasp of what all happened. And in Sheila's men is very triggering. Um, I mean, there's some trigger worthy stuff in within the gray, but nothing like Sheila's men because it's, it's out there, you know, a lot of the sexual trauma and stuff that I went through, I didn't really like go into super detail. Mm -hmm. Um, I put, you know, thank God for autopilot. And because if I would have went into detail, there would have been so much sexual assault and so many of those scenes that it would have taken over the book. And I didn't want it to just be about that. Yeah. 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 
That is, it's so scary to hear these stories that these are things that actually happen. And sexual assault, people don't think about the fact that it happens frequently in relationships. Like, I don't know the actual statistic. I'm just making this up. But from the guests that I've talked to on this show, it happens more frequently in a relationship than it does with a stranger. I don't yeah. know for sure, but that's, that is my take from all of the people I have talked to. So it really kind of puts it in perspective to be careful. Even if you think that this person is amazing, it doesn't mean that they will, that they're not hiding something until you really get to know them. And it's, yeah, it's looking for those red flags, but they can be hard to see. And I'm not saying that it's easy <laughs> at all. Um, but no, it's not. I mean, no. it takes a lot of time. Yep. And, and people who do this kind it, of thing it's, are it's really, really good. Yeah. People who do this kind of, they are yeah, they really are. good at what they do. They are really good at pretending that you're the best person in the world and they absolutely adore you because they got to get you to bite the line. Yeah. I'm thinking of a fish now, bite the line yep. and they got to reel you in. And then once they got you in there, then they can chop you up and eat you <laughs> just like a fish. Um, but uh, they will. yeah, <laughs> they will. They totally will. That is, that's their MO. Um, but it's not to say there's not good people out there too. <laughs> I just want the listeners there to, there is. to be careful and know that it's okay. If you didn't realize that this person was the way they are when you first met them. It is okay that you made a mistake and it's okay that now you need to, you know, leave them or figure out how to end the situation, get out of the situation, get help crisis center. You mentioned, right? Like it's okay to use these things. So I just want everybody. Yeah, I think it's important to use those things. Yes. I had to go through like a really big mental health journey to get through it because whenever I say it was a lot, it was like almost every day for nearly a decade. I mean, it was, and then it was like a slow process, you know, where you just kind of learn to accept it. And like, there's this one paragraph that, that I wrote in the book that's very telling It's it's talking about, you know, and things got better because, you know, Every day before he made his way, had his way with me, he made me coffee and he made sure to hurry. That way it would still be hot when he was done with me. Like there's a paragraph that, and I mean, it goes into more like language and detail than that, but that's basically the gist of it. And it's those types of things, you know, that's, I learned to appreciate that I get a cup of coffee after he, you know. And that's, that's how abusers keep, keep people, keep their victims really. Um, in a position of weakness. That's how they keep their power is giving you these little, giving you these little trinkets of, of love and affection right after they've, you know, done something bad to you. Right. And that can be, you know, a partner. That's also how parents do it with their kids. Right. Like when when you hear about child abuse, it's, I hit them, but afterwards I, I went and hugged them and took them for ice cream. Okay, but that doesn't right. gate what you did already. But that is how, you know, they try to keep that cycle going. Yeah, yeah and that- it really is. 
And they kind of, if you start talking about it, there's like this thing where they're making you feel like they will turn it in such a way somehow in that conversation that it was your fault or you're being crazy. And I didn't like, you know, I felt like I was crazy. And then like, I mean, I mentioned all those things before, but a lot of that was trauma response too. Um, and you know, PTSD from my husband dying, there was like all of these things that were contributing. And then he started telling me I was going through a midlife crisis and I'm like, well, why don't we go together, you know, and we can work through some of these things. And, you know, because therapy and stuff is always a good idea to kind of help you learn and grow as a person and, and become better balanced. And he absolutely refused. Yeah, absolutely refused. And because it was all my fault. So, of course. you know, you have games where you're getting like these little things, you know, yep. like, oh, he started making coffee and he's yeah. quick about my morning violation, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's fine. It's really fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I am. Um, okay. So when was your kind of like light bulb? I mean, you talked about getting angry, um, and realizing it but so take us through that process how did you get out of this situation it took years for me to get out because my kids were little and I was working like 50 and 60 hours a week and like I had to get him distracted enough so at one point he asked for an open relationship and after I cried about that for a week I'm like you know maybe he'll fall in love with somebody else yeah. 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 Or take some so of these like, violent tendencies in the bedroom to somebody else. Yeah. That, 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 sounds, that sounds horrible. Um, but it's when a, you're in that kind of situation, horrible is okay. And that's, and that's, that's what I want to convey to the listeners is that if that's one of your thoughts, I'm not saying it was yours, but if that's one of your thoughts, it's okay because you are in survival mode. Now, obviously, you yeah. would never wish that kind of a harm to somebody else but what yeah when you're in the midst of it anytime you can deflect their aggression that is a good thing for yourself yeah yeah so that's what I was meaning I mean sometimes though I remember one time I actually asked him I'm like because I like was he was like forcing like me to get on these like dating websites and stuff like that and he would like bug me about it until I do it and I'm like no And so I didn't do a whole lot. I mean, I did do some stuff because I was desperate for affection. I was, I needed attention and somebody to just care. Yeah. And, and that's all I really wanted was like somebody to care and to kind of be like that place to land. And I mean, I didn't really get that, but like I had a couple of situations, but I remember one time asking him, I'm like, man, you're like rougher than normal. Did somebody frustrate you? He's like, no, nobody will talk to me. I'm like, so yes, you're frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. So like it actually made things worse, but, um, eventually he did find another target and I felt like looking back, I feel so bad. And he entered into a relationship with her before like our divorce and stuff was final. And then he'd yell if he, cause he was, he would watch where I was working. He, he was kind of like a stalker. He would mm-hmm. like, cause I eventually made him go get a job and that's yeah. where he found his next victim. Yeah. And 
he would like sit outside like half the day and watch me through these big glass windows where I worked and he would get so mad and he would like give me absolute hell and be rougher than usual if I talked too long to someone which I was making a friend and it was like completely innocent so I was you're not allowed to have friends no 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 not at all no not in those situations absolutely not that's they would lose their control yeah but we were in an open relationship but he thought where I was working all the time that I wouldn't have time to do anything or to talk to anyone yeah yeah. you're in an open relationship because he was in an open relationship you were still his property exactly and and so I paid for it anytime I mean I really did but he started in with this relationship and stuff. And after the divorce, she came to me and she asked a few questions and stuff. And I told her, I was like, listen, you know, maybe he's capable of being a really good person. I don't know. Because whenever you're fresh out of that, you're like, well, he's going to love the next person. Yeah. You, you know, want to believe that. Okay. It was, it's yeah. You it really was me. Believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like really nice to her and I kept the lines of communication open. Well, fast forward a couple years and she's calling me and she's like, listen, I should have listened to you whenever you told me that all these rumors were true. And so I actually helped her get out of the situation. And, and that was just so rewarding that I went into advocacy training and now I'm on crisis center line um, once a week. And that is um, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was like the most amazing feeling to like reach back and pull her out, Yeah, you know, and let her know that she wasn't crazy. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was such a beautiful experience to help someone else and it for it not to be about me, because like, even as I was writing Sheila's men, like halfway, you know, the first half I'm like, okay, this is my coping mechanism. Yes. I'm, I'm re-triggering myself, but you know, triggering is good because that gives me the opportunity to, you know, examine myself and work through it. And, and that's what I really recommend people do is like journal through it when you get triggered. But, you know, so about halfway through the book, it wasn't really about me anymore. It became about sharing my story and really getting out there to, to help others because, I mean, we talk about it, but we talk about it in such distant terms that you don't really hear the stories. You know, they don't talk about what happens in marriages. They don't talk about, oh yeah, that happens. It happens to everybody. But to really experience it and to see how the mind works as you're going through that Mm -hmm. can really help people to know that they're not alone and that they're not crazy. Yeah. So like halfway that, through the book, that's what it became about. It was about helping but, others. It wasn't really about me anymore. And I just like, it was pedal to the metal and that thing was like, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> and I mean, people do say that, oh, it happens to everybody, but is that something that we should be accepting? Like, do, do we really need to accept the fact that, yeah, okay, this happens to everybody or most people, or it's not that bad. Why do we need to accept that? We don't. You know, and I think we need to talk about it because if we're not talking about it and we're not putting the light on it, then they're just getting away with it because it's like more and more women. And I mean, this happens to men too, Yep. but like more and more people are dying because they don't see another way out. Exactly. And so if we keep quiet about it, they're going to continue to die. 
yeah. they're going to continue to not know how to get out. So I love the fact that you first use your book for the coping for yourself to get to a point where you can now use it to help other people. And not only that, but now you're, you're volunteering your, your time, you're, you're going above and beyond what somebody needs to do to help other people. So that's, that's super cool. Well, I mean, I went through quite an extensive um, process of healing and like, I wanted to heal. I didn't want to repeat these patterns because that's kind of what happens. And I wanted to change my life. So I worked really hard on it and I want other people to work really hard too, because like, even as I was going through it, it felt really hopeless, but like now I'm living a life where, I mean, this is going to sound so silly, but the sun is brighter. I love deeper, stronger. Everything is just so much more beautiful. I see the good in things now rather than the the negative. And it's really a choice, but like that hope is there. And that's what I want people to see. Yeah. And that's such a good point because when you're in those situations, you really are hopeless. That's why people will often, um, go to suicide is because they're so hopeless that they don't see another way out. And there is, and I'm not saying it's easy, but that's why we all need to speak up about it and let other people know that there are other options there. There's things out there. And if it is getting out of an abusive relationship, there are crisis centers, there are women's shelters, there's, you know, different resources out there. We just need to be available with our ears open to listen to people, to be able to give them that because they might not, most times somebody's not going to come to you and just flat out go, my husband sexually assaults me. What can I do? That's not how they're going to come to you. Right. Because if they're at that point, if they're that open to talking about in that way, they're probably open enough to find these situations. They're going to come to you, maybe looking really, you know, down where normally they're more put together, but today they look not so put together. They're, you know, maybe adjusting themselves more often than they normally would or something like it's, it'll be these little subtle things that don't just be like, Hmm, that's weird. Be like, I've noticed that. Do you need something? Can I, can I help you with something? Right. Be there for them. Cause yeah, it's, they're not going to just come out and say, Hey, I need this. I mean, some will, it's not like a hundred percent rule or something. But well, yeah, I mean, because as I was going through it, I was like, I went from like extreme poverty and living in like subsidized housing and stuff to like running a business and like nobody really knew, like I would joke around, I would, I'd like turn it into a joke, you know, like the whole open relationship things and, and some of the things he would, would say or do and, and just kind of how ridiculous and stuff he was, but like, I was aware you know, at that point I was fully aware and, you know, it's interesting because like we would, I would hire in a new employee and like after a few days when we were sure that they were going to stick around, like everybody would just kind of gather around. They're like, okay, so we have to catch you up on all the gossip. So previously on, you know, (laughs) and like we would tell them what was going on because it would be so weird for somebody to come in and know that, hey, okay, I mean, how else do you say, hey, your boss is in an open relationship? Apparently, occasionally guys come in to meet her. And, um, oh, but at the same time, her husband's going to be stalking the store. And, 
you know, going, driving by all the time and stuff and giving her random phone calls and stuff. And this yeah. really sucks, but we, you know, it was like, welcome. Big joke. Yeah. yeah. And, but it really wasn't because I mean, it just, it really wasn't, I was going through hell. Yeah. That's when you look back, you are allowed to, to laugh at yourself. If that's going to be helpful for you, other people aren't allowed to do that. <laughs> this is your story so you can do it if you want to right uh, as long as it's a helpful chuckle not like a, I'm a stupid idiot chuckle that's that's not acceptable no I've learned I've learned a lot that you know there was reasons that I did the things that I did yes and you know those were trauma responses and yes I can learn from those but it wasn't something that I need to feel guilty or ashamed of. No, not at all. I made a lot of decisions that I wasn't happy with and that I'm still kind of a little bit ashamed of. And it's like, okay, and here's this book. Because one of the things I really wanted was to be really open and honest about the things that I did wrong too. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and when you're going through those situations, I mean, you're, you're just trying to make the best of what you can in that moment with what you know how to do and be, yeah. you know, within your abilities. So, you know, that's why we, we make mistakes and we learn from them and, and we, you know, hopefully can make better decisions later. Exactly. But like I said, now I have a beautiful life and yeah a great relationship and I'm getting married in a few months and like, yeah. it's exciting. Like it's, there's, it's so much different. It is drastically different than what it was Yeah. just because, you know, I decided to heal and, you know, I want to give people hope that, and that's what the book is about. Yeah. You know, people, you know, complain about getting triggered and, you know, they try to avoid those things. But to me, it's really important to maybe to say, and I've had a lot of psychologists and people agreeing with me, including my fiance, that it's okay to get triggered. I mean, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. I get that. But it's okay to be triggered because that's letting you know that it's there and it surfaces. And that's when you can really kind of work through it. So my recommendation is if you're reading my book or something else that triggers you or something else that happens that triggers you, it could be a memory, a song, you know, something that you're reading, get you a journal, write out everything that you're feeling in that moment. Whenever you're like in that anxiety induced triggered moment, write it all down and then go back whenever you're out of that and start to kind of look at your patterns, see the things that are bothering you and kind of start to acknowledge and accept that those feelings exist rather than trying to hide them. I think that is one of the biggest steps for healing and, and moving on with your life and getting rid of those old patterns. That is great advice. Um, and that answers the question I was going to ask. So sorry, <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, that's good. Um, where do we pick up the, the books? How do we get our hands on them? You should be able to find it everywhere. More and more places are going to be picking it up. It is, um, like I said, available everywhere, but uh, depending on what comes out, sometimes it takes days or, or weeks for it to go from one place to the other. It's just kind of so right now. You can easily find it on and Google Play um, then because it actually just released yesterday. Ooh. And then, 
by the time this episode actually airs, it'll be a couple of weeks. But I mean, because we're live on this one, you're my second live one ever. Um, yeah. So yesterday, you guys, you guys who are watching live, um, get to know it just came out yesterday. <laughs> but it's on Amazon and Google Play right now. By the time this airs, it'll be everywhere. But you'll probably have to order it from brick and mortar stores because they're kind of slow. So. <laughs> all good um and where do people follow it you is what it is. keep up to date with um, everything you can you find know. um so you can google me i actually have a google presence which is the weirdest thing in the world <laughs> <laughs> um you can find me on google <laughs> um okay. but but you can find me on facebook um under author jenna ashland and then um instagram and twitter and the best place to start would probably be Google or Facebook. I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. Excellent. We're going to stick those in the description down below um, and make sure that people can very easily find you um, when these um, get aired. Um, so thank you again so very, very much for being on the show and sharing with us. Thanks for having me. Like, I, I really appreciate it. I like being able to talk about, you know, the positive side, not just the negative side, but that yeah. there's hope out there. So we have a sponsor for today's episode. It is Taylor Smith Design. And I have been using the services for, I guess, over almost over a year now. I use the do-it-yourself services and it makes posting on my social media so much easier. Seriously. They have a user-friendly platform where I can schedule all of my posts for the whole year on multiple social sites at the same time. The best part about that is that I can create recurring posts, so I don't have to constantly redo the same thing, which works great when promoting my books. Plus, if you run multiple businesses like I do, since I'm my kid's momager, you can hook it up to multiple accounts. One price for all of your needs, and it saves me so much time. Depending on the level that you sign up for, it can do so much more than just that. I'm still trying to figure out some of the features that it offers. If you need an affordable solution for your social media needs, then go to getseensocial.ca, use code write or die to get your first month totally free. All right, who doesn't like free? Remember, you wanna to go to getseensocial.ca and use the code write or die that first month free. That was such a great interview. And I hope that everybody will go and check out Jenna's links. If you would like to support the channel, of course, we have our merch store. 10% of the proceeds goes back to the Canadian Mental Health Association. And we do have Patreon where you will get some behind the scenes footage um, and some first look at some of the writing as well. We are now on Twitch. So if, if you want to see these interviews before they're even posted on YouTube, without any of my edits of taking out the things that I mess up on, it happens, um, be sure to subscribe to the Twitch channel, which you'll find at Randy Lee Boslaw. All right, so remember, the only way to end the stigma of mental health is to speak openly and honestly.